anyone can help us, one who understands our hearts, when the thorns of life have pierced them till they bleed. One who sympathizes with us, who in one rest love imparts, just a very, very blessing that we need. Yes, there's one, only one, the blessed, blessed Jesus, he's the one. When afflictions press the soul, when waves of trouble roll, and you need a friend to Is there anyone can help us when the load is hard to bear and we faint and fall beneath it in alarm? Who in tenderness will lift us and the heavy burden share and support us with an everlasting love? Yes, there's one. of trouble roll, and you need a friend to help you, he's the one. What about the one who is lost and doesn't know the Lord? Is there anyone can help us, who can give us sinner peace? When his heart is burdened down with pain and woe, who can speak the word of pardon that affords us sweet release, and whose blood can wash and make us white as snow? Yes, there's one, only one, the blessed, blessed Jesus. of trouble roll, and you need a friend to help you, he's the one. <clears throat> well, some of us are getting close to that end time. Is there anybody can help us through all of that? Is there anyone <clears throat> can help us? I may croak before I finish. I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> is there anyone can help us when the end is drawing near who will go through death's dark waters by our side who will light the way before us and dispel all doubt and fear and will bear our spirits safely Jesus is the friend to help.
chapter 7 uh, this morning and um, mentioned last week that this week would probably be the last in our series, but after studying a little bit more, there might be a couple more here because this one verse uh, is a verse that we know well, we maybe are familiar with, but perhaps some implications of it we haven't really uh, fully thought through. Uh, but Matthew chapter 7, verse number 12, a very famous verse known as the golden rule. Treat other people how you want to be treated, right? Isn't that the basic premise of it? Uh, something that we've heard many, many times in our childhood. Uh, when we were tempted to treat someone wrong, our parents taught us, well, you need to treat others as you would want to be treated. And sometimes you look at it that way and boil it down to that. But this verse is so much more than just that. As many times the Word of God, we can let the dust of familiarity sit upon something and we look at, oh, I understand and know what that's talking about, and we just kind of skip over it. Now, is that what it's talking about? Yes, but I believe there's some depth there that we need to look at this morning, especially in regards, this whole series is a solid foundation, right? The foundation for our Christian life, the foundation for how we walk with God, and this verse is the foundation in how we walk with our brothers and sisters in Christ, also the lost world outside. Now, this verse is connected to a verse previous, verse 2 of chapter 7. We looked at that a few weeks ago. Uh, verse 1 says, Judge not that ye be not judged. Verse 2, For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Now we look down at verse number 12. Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now we look at this and we see that there's a connection here that whatever we sow, we reap. Whatever we do, however we treat others, it's going to come back to us. So we see that verse very, or that thought very, very clearly given in Galatians chapter 6. Turn over there, Galatians chapter 6. We're going to look at the first this morning, if you're taking notes, we're looking at the connection. The connection here, Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10, uh, gives us a very clear illustration, explanation of God's universal law of sowing and reaping. You will get what you plant. Just as if we go and we plant a watermelon seed, and when that comes up, it's not going to be a tomato, it's not going to be a carrot, it's not going to be a mango tree, it's going to be a watermelon, right? And whenever we put those things in the ground, whether we put a tomato seed or we put that in there, we expect to get a tomato, not a potato, okay? We don't expect to get a cucumber or anything like that. If we did, what do we assume? What? We planted the wrong seed in there, right? That's what we assume. Because you always get a tomato from a tomato seed. You always get an orange from an orange seed. You always get what you plant. That's the universal law that God has made. And the same goes in our lives. How you treat other people, how what you sow, that is going to be reaped in yourself again. If you are a compassionless person, then there's going to be a time in your life when you need compassion. It's not going to be shown to you. On the positive side, if you show mercy and grace to people, mercy and grace is going to be shown to you. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Now, corruption means rottenness. But he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. 
And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. There's a direct connection between how we treat others and how others treat us. Now, some people call that karma, right? We hear that a lot. Karma, that's a Hindu and Buddhist teaching. Uh, by the way, how uh, there's no such thing as karma, but there is such a person and such a, a wonderful God as Jehovah God. Amen. He is the great balance keeper. He is the judge of the universe. And we people call it karma, but God calls it justice. In that those, God says that, uh, we're not to take vengeance of ourselves. We're not to repay. Said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. That he will give those thing, good things to those who have planned good things. And also, you're going to reap corruption, rottenness, terrible things, if that's what you sow. This goes all the way through, not just how we treat people, but decisions that we make. You know, if you are going to sow uh, you're going to sow the seeds of a life of drugs. You're going to, of that, reap corruption. You're going to uh, reap diseases. You're going to destroy your health. You're going to lose your family. You're never going to get anything good out of that, whether it be alcohol or drugs or immorality. Whatever you put in, you sow to the flesh, you're going to, of the flesh, reap corruption. But if you sow the Spirit, the re- fruits of the Spirit, right, love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, all of those... We sow those and we plant those. Guess what? We're going to receive wonderful fruit. But let's look at the content of this. What is God's expectation of how we are to treat people? Verse number 12 here. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do even so to them. For this is the law and the prophet. So what is God's expectation? How should we treat people? Well, to treat others with respect and dignity as we would want to be treated. Amen. Don't you want to be treated with respect and dignity? Amen. I think we all want that. But this is God's expectation. Look over a few chapters. Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. So, uh, this is near the end of Jesus' ministry. And there had been a debate going on. And Jesus had given an answer to the Sadducees about the resurrection And he had, as the Bible says, he had put them to silence. And so the Pharisees decided, we're going to give him a question he can't answer. And if he does answer it, then he is going to settle uh, uh, something that has been debated. You have to understand the context of the question that's about to be asked here. But let's read here, uh, Matthew 22, beginning in verse number 34. Matthew 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees had heard that he put the Sadducees to silence... They were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, (coughs) Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So we see that, the question they were asking, which is the great commandment in the law? You look at, well, they're just being curious. We have to understand the Pharisaical form of laws here. Uh, The Pharisees have the law of Moses broken down into 248 commandments and 365 prohibitions. And then expanded on that to 613 laws to keep. 
to make an over-extremely complicated religious system, which purpose was to protect the soul of the Jewish people. The trouble was that to keep some of the commandments contradicted others. So there began the great debate. So they had debated and developed a list of these 613 laws according to priorities. According to which was the most important. Well, if you have to have a choice between this law and this law, keep this law first. By the way, uh, God's word doesn't work like that. Amen. Amen. All perfectly fits together. Man-made systems do that. And that's exactly what the Pharisees had done. They had made God's law into a man-made system. So this question was to trap Jesus. So if he was going to say who was the greatest that he was going to proclaim, what is the most important law out of the 613 to keep? And in so doing, then he would contradict other people and cause a controversy. So they are trying to bring him in to create a controversy. But it's amazing how God just routes right around him, amen, and goes right to. By the way, in making those 613 laws, they had totally lost the spirit of the law of God. They had totally missed the point. As we see, they totally missed the point. And Jesus, as an amazing way, because he is God, brings it right into focus. These are the two greatest commandments. The first and great commandment, uh, verse 37. Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is Leviticus 19. And that this was a command of God to love the Lord with every part of our being, with our heart, with our soul, with our mind. And also another uh, synoptic of this, with our might, every physical part of us. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Verse number 12, therefore all things, or chapter 7, verse 12, therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So it hangs all the law and the prophets. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and then love thy neighbor as thyself. This is how we treat others, how we would desire to be treated, by following the two great commandments. This is the entire spirit of the law. We look at the law as well as a bunch of don'ts. We can't do this, we can't do that. But Jesus gives, do these two things. Love the Lord your God and love thy neighbor. And we see when they ask that question, well, who's my neighbor? Then he gave them what? The parable of the good Samaritan. Everyone's your neighbor. Even those that are your enemy, they are your neighbor. By the way, we can keep the law and not maintain the spirit of the law Uh, because it was of the law to pay your employees a fair wage, right? You know, we can pay our employees a fair wage, but we use and abuse those employees for all they are worth. Though we are fair, we're not kind. And as Christians, we can follow the letter of the law, but we neglect the spirit of it, right? Uh, That we can speak the truth, right? But can we speak the truth unlovingly and unkindly and judgmentally? Absolutely, yes. So we need to make sure because that is what tempers the spirit. The spirit of the law is loving God and loving others. Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Micah 6, 8. He has shewed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee 
but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. So here is the whole matter, to love the Lord your God, to love a neighbor as thyself, to fear God and keep his commandments, and then also that what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with thy God. Humility, this is what God expects of us, and we should treat others in this way. So what's the core? How do we connect all of this? Well, there are some people that say that Jesus was merely quoting those great philosophers who had come before. Um, Hillel, the Jewish rabbi, said about 400 years before Christ, said, do not do to thy neighbor that which is hateful to thyself. Socrates said before the time of Christ, what stirs you to anger when done to you by others that do not to others? Confucius, the great Chinese philosopher, what do what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. They all did essentially the same thing. They all said essentially the same thing. Don't hate others. Don't do something to others that you wouldn't want done to you. But Jesus, and this is all negative, the best the world had to offer was a negative command. Don't do this. Don't hate But Jesus instead used a positive solution. He commanded us to what? To love. To love God. Do we love God this morning? Do we love God? And I think all of us here, we say, well, we do our best to love God. Do we have a real relationship where we walk with God? We love God. We love his word. We love his people. Amen. Because we can love other things in this life. We can love other things. We can love ourselves, which is a problem today. I believe we live in probably the most narcissistic society that has ever been, that um, so many people are focused on me and what I want and what I desire, right? When you have, you know, even the names of things, the iPhone, right? It's, it's about me and in YouTube, it's about putting yourself on there, Instagram, being an influencer and all those things. I'm not saying everybody's that way, but it's something that's popular, making it about me. It's humanism. Bowing down and worshiping at the altar of man. That man, we see what is in the theories of today, of evolution. That man is the highest evolved creature in the, in the universe. And that man is the master of all things. And that one day man can create a perfect utopia through communism. <laughs> oh, but, that, but that's what people believe. And so many people bow down. That's what communism is, bowing down at the altar of humanism. All of these things that man tries to do. Look at what we can do. You know, and it's amazing how man has made progressions technologically. You know, we can land rovers on Mars and we're going back to the moon. And the technology today, you know, they have the neurological link chips that you can, you know, control a computer with your mind and and all of these things. But yet man has all of that in store, but yet cannot come down to the common sense conclusion that a baby is a human being. An unborn child is a human being and has rights like everybody else. But no, when you bow down at the altar of humanism, look at all that we have done. We decide we can become God and decide who lives and who dies. That's not loving God. We don't have a society that loves God any longer we used to. There used to be a respect for the things of God. There used to be a respect for church 
There used to be a respect, even though people maybe didn't go to church or weren't saved, they respected the house of God. They respected the Bible. But now what do we see? We see people burning Bibles, trying to get Bibles removed from uh, displays. It was in uh, the Air Force Museum. There was a Bible there. Someone complained, and guess what they did? Oh, they took it away. Can't have that. We can love ourselves, or we can love God. Love God first and love others. When we say we love God, when we love somebody, we do things for them, right? When we care about somebody, we'll do anything we can. We'll sacrifice anything we can for them. We will do, want to further their goals. Do we want to further the kingdom of heaven? Amen. Do we want to be part of furthering God's goal of bringing lost people to him? Do we want to further bringing the truth to people? Uh, You know, we look at many times focus on the gospel, but there's a lot of truth in the word of God that needs to help others around us to help our society. You know what's going to help our society? Getting back to the word of God. Our society went wrong when we decided to kick God out of everything and kick the Bible out of everything. Well, we don't, need, we don't need to go by those antiquated standards. Well, progressiveness hasn't really brought anything, has it? Except heartache and destruction and violence. We look at all the, why is there so many violence? Why is there so much this? Why is there so much that? Because people have gotten away from the moral principles of God's word that are absolute truth. When you take away absolute truth, man corrupts himself absolutely. Amen. And that's, this is the only thing that keeps things going is God's word and his power. Do we love God? So, well, absolutely, preacher, I love God. I spend time with God every day. That's wonderful. I praise God for that. Now, do we love others? Oh, this one's sometimes a hard one. By the way, it's easy to love people that are like us, easy to love people that we have good fellowship with. Amen. That's easy. It's hard to love our enemies. It's hard to love those that are unlovable. It's hard to love those that it's going to be a bit of a stretch for us and it's going to, we're going to need help from on high. What did Jesus say? <laughs> you know, he said, if you love those who uh, love you, what, so what, what thank have you? Don't even the publicans the same? Don't, doesn't the lost world, don't they love those that are just like them, that agree with them? But isn't it the real test of the Christian faith when we have to love people who maybe even hate us? Amen? You know, to, to love someone and care for someone who says that all the babies need to die? Oh, that's hard. That's hard. To love somebody that believes that all we believe is just a bunch of fables and that, we're, that, uh, uh, that God is, was a hateful God and doesn't really exist? Is it hard to love somebody like that? Guess what? Those people have needs too. And... Uh, one of the sermons that uh, just got recently put online uh, in the sermon uh, vault there in the archive is uh, by Pastor Roy Magnuson, all the monstrous sin of murmuring. Very excellent. It's an excellent message. So I highly recommend that. So you can go right on sermonwriter.com or go to tbcclean.org and find that there. The monstrous sin of murmuring, a wonderful, wonderful sermon. Uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 8 says this. Oh, sorry, James. I'm not in Romans. James chapter 3. James chapter 3, verse 8. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. 
Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine fig? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. So how can we do that? How can we say I love God, but yet we are talking bad about somebody, we're complaining about somebody, we're gossiping about somebody, we're assassinating the character of somebody and say we love God because these people are made in the image of God as we are. Amen? That's not going to do anything for your spiritual walk with God. That's not going to do anything for wanting to be uh, concerned about. By the way, do you know what? If we were in a constant state of of murmuring and complaining about other people and what other people do and say, you know, guess what? We like to complain. We get on the children of Israel. Guess what? Mankind likes to complain, likes to murmur, likes to, oh, this is not fair. I don't like what's going on here. Oh, and you know what? When we are not, when we are murmuring, we have no compassion. When we're complaining about somebody, what somebody did, we have no compassion for them and their needs. I understand that there's a lost world outside and there's a lot of bad things that are going on in the world today, but we've got to be careful that we just don't sit there and complain about it because then we're not going to have any compassion to go outside and win them to Christ. Compassion. Loving God will bring compassion. Loving others, we have compassion. We love others no matter what. We will do whatever we can. So today, let's commit today to consider God first. And consider others and how we interact with mankind. Because let's just think about it for a minute. If we treat someone with impatience, if we treat someone with unkindness, if we treat someone without mercy, without grace, why is it that we do that? Why is it that we think in that way? Why do we do that? Well, if we act in out of impatience, like, well, they didn't meet my expectation, and so I'm just going to be impatient with them because they have offended me in, uh, in that they didn't get it fast enough. Hold on a second. Is it about us? No, it's about God. It's about others. So we treat someone without mercy, even though we've been shown great mercy and grace by our Heavenly Father, and we decide we're not going to be merciful, you know what we're deciding? They don't deserve that mercy. They don't deserve mercy from me because of what they have done. They said this. They did that. They don't deserve that. We act in anger towards somebody else in frustration because they have offended us. Any time we see those things happen, we act in a sinful way. When we do that, we've made it about us, about me about what I think and what they deserve. Oh, if, if only we got what we deserved. The wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. That's what all of us deserve. But praise be to God, we have the grace of God. For by grace, through faith, are you saved. Not of works, the same man should boast. That grace was shed abroad on us by the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ in his blood. He shed it on Calvary's tree to save us from sin. So many times we forget how much God has saved us from and how compassionate and how merciful God has been to us. We forget that, then we forget to show it to others. So do you want to be treated in a compassionate way? Yes. 
Do we want to be treated with respect? Do we want to be treated with dignity? Do we want, do we want to be complained and murmured about? Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. First commandment, love God. Second, love others. How do we measure up? Do we need to maybe repent of some things that we've said and done? Maybe we need to think about how we're treating others. You know, we've all experienced this, if you realize or, if you realize or not, that how you treat people, that's how they treat you. He's like, you know what? Nobody likes me at my work. No one likes me. Let me ask you the question. Do you act like you like the people you work with? So what do you mean? Do you treat people with respect and nice and friendliness or do you just treat them the way they're treating you? It asks the question. I understand even though it's a pastor, I've been treating people right. They still treat me wrong. I understand the lost world is going to mistreat God's people. I get that. But let's make sure we're not the cause of that. Let's make sure we're treating people because if we want to have an inroad and a testimony and an opportunity to share the love of Christ, we better be sharing what God would have us share, not sharing what our flesh wants to share. So this morning, let's consider that. Let's consider, are we measuring up in the right way? Are we treating others like we would want to be treated? If not, let's make sure we get those things right today. Let's pray. Dearly Father, I pray that you will bless our invitation time this morning. Oh, Lord, we can be so selfish. We can be so concerned with ourselves without even realizing it. Forgive us, Lord, when we judge things in our finite and imperfect way and decide who is worthy of our grace and of our mercy, of our kindness, of our compassion. And, Lord, you died on the cross for all. All are worthy of compassion and grace and mercy. We are all undeserving. I pray, Lord, today that our thinking, perhaps, if it wasn't in the right place, dear Lord, that you showed it how to be aligned, just as the Pharisees didn't have their thinking in the right place. And you, dear Lord, shared how they can have their thinking realigned. I pray that we would accept it, not reject it as they did. But, Lord, that we would treat others in a way of love and compassion that you have shown to us in kindness, to share the truth with love and kindness, not to shy away from the truth, but to help and to be salt and light in this world. I pray your blessing on the invitation this morning. We thank you for your word and how clear and simple it is in Jesus' name. Amen.